0: Hello and welcome to this week's That's Enough Already. And this week, we've got a very special guest and it's Tim Minchin. Now, if you don't know Tim Minchin, where the fuck have you been and what have you been doing with your life? He's one of the smartest people, one of the funniest people, one of the most talented people. He has been nominated for basically everything. He has won basically everything. There's not anything that you have loved and watched that he hasn't had a hand in, I swear to God. Everything that I've ever loved can be traced back to him. Um, Okay, obviously not everything. I don't know if chocolate biscuits, but I mean, I also don't know if he doesn't have a hand in that. Anyway, uh, follow him. This is also the last ep of this season's um, podcast. And next week I'll have the best of, and then that's it for the year. Then we'll be back in 2022 with brand new guests. Um, And also I'm Twittering. Again, check out my website or live nation.com.au. I'm doing New Zealand and Australia, so get your tickets now. Enjoy the podcast. Shh,
1: that's quite enough. Just, Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Zip it. Shush, please. Yes, I can hear down, But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush.
0: What's the one thing that you go? I cannot. Everything else is a payoff for this thing. Like for me, it's stand up. Yeah. What is it for you? What's your your favorite child?
1: Well, I think my thing is that I that variety is my thing. You know, like yeah. that. Um, uh, I'm not going to be pigeonholed. I'm going to, uh, you know, in any given year, I'm going to do some live yeah. shows and some telly and some. I, I really like acting. I, I suppose if if you were going to say we're going to take away from you your various skills, I suppose I would hold on to the playing the piano for the longest because I'm not best at that. I'm a better performer than I am a pianist. I'm a better um, orator than I am a pianist. But uh, playing piano is such a fundamental part of my sort of sense of self and my mental health. And I I don't play all the time, but uh, sometimes when I'm playing piano, I go, what do other people do when they don't have an instrument to go to? Like what do they do with this feeling?
0: Yeah, that's how I feel with um, like I sarcastically, well, not sarcastically, I genuinely sort of wanted to know what people do if they don't have kids or pets. Yeah. Like what do you do? Like yeah. how do how do you fill your day? Mm, I sounds mean great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now it does. Yeah. Yeah. My day is filled with picking up dog shit and cat shit and kid shit and
1: I picked up three huge dog poos yesterday. i was so proud of Sonny. He's like, yes. he sometimes has a bit of trouble with that stuff. And the oh, last, yeah. But we hadn't gone into the back garden for a couple of days and it's just magnificent, like really fantastic, good, solid stools.
0: And it's the same, as like when your kid delivers a big shit, you're like, <laughs> I am that person now, I'm old enough to go. Yeah.
1: Applauding oh man, a Good poop.
0: job. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go, I'm gonna, who didn't flush, but fist pump, who didn't flush because this is amazing.
1: So uh, the answer to your question, what do people do without kids and pets is yeah. they don't have conversations about the quality of other people's turds. That's what they yes. don't do and it's an enviable life.
0: Is it? Because I think they're poorer for it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) the only thing better than looking back in the toilet when you've had a magnificent shit, because we've all had magnificent shits. Let's not fuck them out. We've all had one that even when you're sitting watching your show, further you sort of think about it and go, fuck, that felt good. That
1: was good.
0: So, But, you know, when you've made a person – that also has magnificent shit. It's like
1: doubled. You'd think that might be halved, but it's like squared it's satisfaction. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, I'm nailing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a generational. That's
1: second success. generational excellent stools.
0: <laughs> I'm proud of you. I'm
1: proud of you as you're dealing with this really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think lockdown's affecting me at all. <laughs> no. Sure. I don't <laughs> brush my hair anymore.
1: <laughs> no. I've not brushed my hair for 15 years.
0: Fuck. I think it's overrated. I've been to one of your shows at the, palais what was my first show of yours i've seen of course heaps of your clips and stuff online and and i went to one of your shows and i was struck by how intelligent your audience is like if you if you're on stage you something you get a vibe you're like this audience is smart they're picking up on stuff sometimes i think i've got a joke so well hidden but no they get it like yeah but your audience is i sat there and i felt like this is an audience where you could have a heart attack and there will be a doctor in this yeah. audience. Yeah.
1: yeah, there'll be several. They could probably give you a transplant. They'll yeah. Find, find yeah. someone I mean, with a spare I felt one.
0: that in your, yeah. in your room. Do you think your audiences are so smart and that you sort of almost cultivated them like that over the years of, you know, people see you, I see you on social media and when people bring bullshit, you will sort of deal to that shit online and do you think they had sort of whittle down the dumbasses?
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, you know, in desperation in my late 20s, not quite knowing how I was going to make a career out of these skills I had and I guess my skills were like I play piano right, I could sing right, I could speak really fast and be very articulate with my lips and I guess I'm quite bookish for a muso. I'm reasonably funny for someone who can play quite well, and I can play quite well for someone who's meant to be a comedian. And I'm and I'm a bit of a nerd, and I I think I just I kind of made my name not not because it was like my barrow to push or my flag to fly. I just happened to make my name doing songs about like logic and God and sex and death. And I never did. Um, my brain is not very local. Like I'm I spend my days having arguments in my head about. Moral problems and stuff. Um, I've never watched a episode of The Voice or Survivor, or you know, I just don't. I don't know anything about pop culture. I don't watch yeah. much TV and stuff. And I, 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 this sounds like like I don't think it's better or worse. It's just like I'm a bit. Um, in fact, it's fucking tedious and and tiring for me and the people around me. Uh, I'd much rather just be a, a person who can like have a chat about like stuff going on. But anyway, I brought that nerdiness to my material cuz it's what people liked and yeah, without a doubt over the years it's had a sort of evolutionary effect which is that nerdy people who want to hear those ideas come to my shows and they tend to be bookish and yeah. and also I I've, I've got a belief that you just don't ever talk down to your audience like and because I didn't come through the club circuit I, I never went oh I I've got a a wedding of a bunch of 18-year-old you know 18-year-old hen's night and I better do jokes for them I just never because I never did the clubs, I never had to go, what do they want? I just always just did these little cabaret shows and people could come or not.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: So I never had that pressure and it made me not as good stand-up because I've never had that pressure of where's the joke, where's the joke, where's the joke. So I'm not as good a stand-up but I don't want to be because that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is slightly different where jokes are not the only thing that the only I always say laughter is not the only currency for me. Yeah. Um so and and for that reason people who want to come see a stand up and they stumble on my show, they might not love it. Um yeah. so they might not come back. Whereas all the nerds who like me ranting about confirmation bias will come back.
0: Yeah. No, but. I think it's really funny. I was I was I always laugh when I see people get that into a show, laugh in a good, endearing way, not in a you're a you're a fuckwit kind of <laughs> way. When when someone on stage waves and they go thank you and they wave and you can see in the audience the people waving back as if that person is just waving directly at them. That's how I felt at your show. I, I waved back like it was just you and me it's and then I realised it's me oh, and all these smart people yay.
1: too. That makes me feel so good because you're the, like when I watch you perform, I'm um, this thing they call charisma or whatever, like you it feel that that's what a performer who is a good performer has is what one aspires to is to f- make every person in the audience feel like, they have an intimate relationship with the performer, yeah. right? like you're flirting with two thousand people, or you're yeah. you're you're empathizing with two thousand people, and they're going, yeah, and, and yeah, they feel, because it
0: is like it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a, like it's an organism we're, we're together in this thing, and then whatever. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Like some nights I'd go, this audience is so fucking lackluster. Yeah. And I didn't realise it was me. I I had no energy and I was giving it to them.
1: Well, that's true and also the toughest lesson and tougher for a a stand-up stand-up like you where if they're not laughing, you're fucked. Whereas sometimes I I hate it when they're not really into it but I can just sit and play one of my, you know, play I'll Take Lonely Tonight or, you know, like, and it doesn't matter. They can just sit and be in the... But it's taken years and I still struggle to always remind yourself that someone in that house is absolutely fucking loving it and they yes. maybe most of them and there's just not that quorum of big laughers that have given the audience permission. There's just when there's a certain percentage of kind of shy laughers, the whole room can turn into a shy laugher yes. and you must not let them even get a sniff of a sense that you think they're a bad audience. You just mustn't. Yeah. And after the show, when they go, I love that, you mustn't talking say, out oh, of shit. <laughs> I, do, I still do it with my friends. I'm like, I can't believe you saw that show. That was terrible. And I watched okay. them go, oh, we saw a terrible yeah. show. We thought it was good. You know, fuck, can't do it.
0: I remember, I think it was your dad's 70th. No, it was your dad's 70th, where the whole family came to the show at the end. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: And I don't think I've ever said cunt more in my life. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was on this vicious loop. And then afterwards, Cuddy goes, Mom and them are coming backstage. I'm like, shit, was that tonight? I could have cleaned it up a bit, and your mom's like, "That was great. That was so good." Uh, come just, was they like, yeah,
1: They're pretty inoculated against um, that word and all the words.
0: I guess. Thank you to you and to your siblings for sort of numbing them to the filth. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've had their va- their filth vaccine. Uh, yeah, yeah, boosters for. over the years.
0: Thank God they yeah. believe in science. <laughs> I um. Can I ask you? Has there ever been a time in your career in your life where you've gone, "I've made it. This is it. This is my. I'm at the top here."
1: No. No.
0: No. Have you Have you thought you've been close?
1: No. I just. I wish I had. I. I I'm conscious of the fact that I have trouble. Given that my brain is a very in the moment brain, like, I'm not anxious about the future or the past. I. I. I I'm quite good at being present. Um, I think it's why I can write, like I just go, I'm in this world and, you know. Um, but I have trouble being present to moments of success. I I, uh, culturally maybe because of my family, maybe because of just being Australian or West Australian, or, I don't ever think, look at you, fucking legend. I think, oh, this is, you know, this award probably you know, doesn't really mean anything. It's not. You know, they, I probably got it because of some other, you know, like I, yeah. I, I, that, that false modesty thing we do, I do it in my head as well, you know. Um, yeah. Like the night we, uh, Matilda in 2011, that Matilda was up for um, 10 Olivier Awards, which are the West End Awards. Yeah. Uh, and Sarah looked this, just unbelievable in this yellow dress, and I looked all right in my tucks. And, it was at the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden and we uh, broke the record for the most Olivier's and um, we walked back through Covent Garden, Sarah and I in the snow, to the Covent Garden Hotel. I thought, look at that. Look at that fucking little dickhead from Perth, West Australia, self-taught fuck. Fucking smashed it. Yeah. Yeah, probably. That. In fact, that's not what I was thinking. I was just thinking this is just lovely. I feel really good. Yeah. Mostly, I'm thinking, what's the next thing I need to try and do well? You know, yeah, which is boring.
0: Do you think if you ever get to that point where, like, I've nailed it, I'm, you know, I've got Oprah success? Yeah. Do you think you'll still have drive? Do you still, you'll still have that? What's next thing? Anya? Can
1: you uh, can you tell me first uh, what you think? Because I I have I've had a slightly different experience that because I stopped my I. I put the brakes yeah. on deliberately. I, I retired from comedy just as things were getting super crazy, and I I, yeah. I wouldn't mind telling you a bit about that. But I'd like to know what you think. Like, do you want to be having a you know huge Netflix special, and do you have a of Netflix course. special? I've of course. Got, yeah, yeah. Of course. I've... Do you want to be like the biggest comic in America?
0: Um, oh, see, stuff like that doesn't because I'm not motivated by money. I'm not motivated by and to me. I I would love it if more people in the States knew about me, if more people enjoyed my comedy. But I don't think of it in terms of I'll fucking crush this or um, I think if I ever feel like, wow, this is, I'm smashing it or, you know, then I think I have to stop. Yeah. Because I don't, like, even when I got the Netflix special, I was like, this is great. Like, people get to see this uh, and I hope I don't fuck it up. That was yeah. that was my only thought. I never thought this is going to be massive. This is going to be. I was wondering if I could if I'll get another one if this one does well. That yeah. was it. I, yeah, you that's know, right. Yeah, uh, and I enjoyed the process. I because I'm the same. Like I just want to be in the moment. And I, I, I think because I went to boarding school. And I didn't enjoy it when I was there. I didn't think I enjoyed it. Then afterwards, once we left, and my brother went to the army, and I said to him, "Now you go from boarding school to the army, where you're still being told, told what to do." And he goes, "Yeah, you don't need. You shouldn't look that higher." He goes, "I don't look at the ranks." He goes, "I look at my mates. Who's here with me?" Yeah. And he goes, "Never in your life at your will you be at a level." as an adult, where you're going to be in a mess hall with people your age with exactly the same interests. He yeah. goes, every guy in there is just like me. Yeah. He goes, every guy in there is having the same breakfast as me. We're all queuing up for milk. He goes, you're doing the same at boarding school. He goes, you should look at this as a great opportunity. You're never in your life going to have this opportunity again where you're going to be in a room full of people with exactly the same interests as you. And that sort of made me go and I was like sixteen when he told me that, and then that made me go, oh, okay, I have to just just be in the milk line you know that's always how I think of it Am my I, am I, I'm in the milk line right now. These people are all sharing my interest right now so when I'm when I was filming the Netflix special, I was like, all of the people in that room want to see comedy. all the people back here yeah. want to make comedy. We're just here for the comedy.
1: So good. what a great way to think about it.
0: Uh, so in that it. I don't think, you know, bigger or I just wear in the milk line, we have the same
1: interest rate right yeah, now. Yeah, that's so good. I probably overthink things a bit. I, I think um yeah, I don't I don't have any concern that I'm going to lose drive. It's the opposite. I'm trying to work out how to turn it down a bit because I some reason I think I need to keep pushing the freaking boat out. Um I've got these two sides of me. One is is that I um, am self-limiting. I I'm, I go, uh, oh, touring, I, I absolutely love it and all these, you know, 10,000 people on their feet and, you know, all these people think I'm good and I've got a tour bus and I am drink a lot and <sighs> every, every, everything's done for me. I stay in great hotels and this is fucking great uh, and I'm away from my family the whole time and, and and I, when I realized that's what it was, I went, oh, what's the end point of this life? Well, it's divorce and kids you weren't around and um, alcoholism and uh, turning into a fuckhead because you don't have, you're not doing your own washing. And so I stopped, so I stopped partly in order to, um, to be more normal, to, to be less famous and, you know, be, try and not be, not, be a dickhead not not um be a hedonist, you know uh, try and be a better family man and stuff on the other side I stopped because I wanted to prove that I could also act and also write and do a serious album and and because Matilda made me think oh maybe I'm a serious composer and so I so it's partly like sort of modesty and partly massive ambition um yeah and so the ambitious part of me is is really strong drive and it's tiring and tiresome. And I I, I would like to, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting better, I think, at not thinking I need to, you know, the bit of my brain going, Lin-Manuel's musical is much more successful than mine, I need to write one better than that. You know, like what yeah. the fuck? Why do you need to write, try and compete with Lin-Manuel Miranda, you idiot? Like, <laughs> what next do you learn ice skating so you can compete with Torval and Dean? Just settle the fuck down, you
0: know. I was going to say, you need to start playing golf. That's frustrating oh, as fuck. It will yeah. take up years of your life. Right, yeah. Yeah, because okay. yeah, I, I started playing golf. I'm like, oh, I'm a terrible golfer. I should I should work on <laughs> this a <laughs> bit more. But that is now good when I'm on tour. I um I always say to Tom, who also a Western Australia boy, I go, we have to go play golf, so we do a golf tour with comedy in the evening. But I was I was going to say you're like a light switch with a touring, you're either on or off, but then you're not because you, you just traded one time-consuming thing in for another because writing is hardly a 10-minute-a-day job.
1: True, yeah. It's it, less inclined to make you spend time drunk in bars with women who – Would quite like to hang out more. Gag Um, hags. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, Yeah, no, no, like my work, my my, Sarah would tell you that I'm consumed by my work, whatever I'm doing, but she'd also tell you that me being off tour has been good. Honestly, it's about balance and as you get older, you get obsessed by balance, don't you? Like I I want to have fun but I don't want to feel shit all the time. I want to be a good parent but I don't need to give up my own career and balance becomes the central question to everything. It
0: gets easier though when you get older. Do you like yourself more now that you're getting older?
1: I actually think I'm just coming out the back of a a pretty – no, I think – I think I'm just coming out the back of a period where I liked myself least than I ever have, yeah. um, a sort of midlife post-LA thing where I got a bit bitter about some of the stuff that went down and a bit chippy and a bit defensive. And, and I'd also say if you're a sort of thinky person and you're a sensitive person who's trying to be good in the world, it's being a straight white dude, I'm not asking for pity, but it, this shit, it works. If yeah. if anyone out there is wondering whether constantly telling straight white guys that they're terrible gets to them, it it just does. It not not like oh poor me, it's harder being me than anyone else. I'm just saying it works. You start feeling like everything's your own, you know. Especially when you're a powerful straight white guy, when you're mm. rich and microphoney straight white guy. You, it's funny. It hasn't stopped me talking, has it? But it it does make you feel like. Ugh shit being called like sort of systemic like it, it it works so so a combination of things not going great in LA turning 40 and feeling a bit old and the sort of politics and anxiety around it I just I've, I've been a bit pretty chippy and bit defensive and not my best self and I feel like last weirdly even with COVID and everything I, I'm feeling pretty good at the moment yeah, yeah like coming just, out of that period oh that's good did you need to know all that shit
0: no but I think it's, Is it's that sort of podcast no, but it's good that you say that because I think it's it's almost the same as, as people's, you know, people's argument, and for the record, I don't agree with this, when they, you know, like we banned automatic weapons. So everyone's like, uh, the people that are getting their guns taken away because the government bought all these guns back, but the criminal elements still have the guns. So then the w- ones that are affected are the ones that aren't going to go shoot up places. Right? Yeah, right. That's the, so but now the same with putting all that hate out there, like, um, you know, middle-aged white dudes, you know, rich white dudes, you know, like, I mean. Yeah, oh, the I ones
1: say- you're going for don't give a shit. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It's the same as, like, the anti-smacking bill. So they bring in the anti-smacking bill. You're not allowed to give your kid a smack on the ass. they are like, all right. So then and no one's smacking their kids on the ass anymore. But the ones who put their kids in the tumble dryer, they don't give a fuck about that law. They've never given <laughs> no, a fuck about No, because they
1: never kids. did. Yeah. yeah.
0: They're not now going to yeah. go, oh, I better not smack you anymore, guys. Get her out of the tumble dryer. No. Exactly.
1: And it's the same, not to get too heavy, but with yeah. TV, we're doing all this with, with, with violence against women, which is something obviously yeah. any person with a heart in Australia uh, is just – Horrified by our statistics, but the, <laughs> we're all watching our SBS documentaries, and we're all, you know, and and if someone dares to say not all men on Twitter that some poor hapless fucks like oh, I'm not like that, and
0: boom, Bro. it's
1: like you're the problem fucking, a meme, yeah. and yeah. it's just like, and and we're we're shouting on Twitter, men, stop hitting women. It's like they're not here, yeah, they're not following you, Clem,
0: yeah, they're
1: not. <laughs> They're not. Those guys are broken units who have intergenerational shit they've not learnt and learnt, and there's a huge problem. But it's not solved by the unmitigated expression of your anxiety about it in front of an audience of not the people putting their kids in the tumble drivers. Now, obviously there's lots of mitigating yeah. points to make about this conversation, but it is. Anyway, I'm, I am. Uh, I, I would hate anyone to listen to this go, Tim thinks he's like a victim of something. It's just an interesting time to be a middle-aged male. Yeah, but, <laughs> but this
0: is also like just the fact that, you know, you can't talk about it because there will be, you know, it's the same of course, as like yeah, yeah. you can't have a tough time like I remember in the eye of the storm in 2020, when all these, um, you know, like Hollywood stars were saying that they take you know, taking the lockdowns and COVID and all the restrictions is really tough. And they go, well, it's fucking hard to listen to your shit when I can see your pull and your your tennis yeah. court in the yeah. back round. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it's hard, I guess, but it's you know, you can still have emotional trauma even if you have money, you
1: know. Like I mean, uh, and look, this is the thing I preach most at the moment whenever I'm talking to anyone about anything in the the public sphere because it seems so obvious and old school, but we seem to have lost our way with it collectively, not individuals, but as a mob, as an online community. We're we're very enamoured by this idea that we can tell a lot about a person, that we can judge books by their cover, and, and actually parts of the social justice movement I think are are doing terrible things by saying, you know, a black person has this experience and a white person has this experience and a, a lesbian and a trans person, they we can categorize them and judge them accordingly. I'm like, oh, I don't. I don't think that's the path. I don't think that's social justice. I think that's a terrible step backwards. I understand the utility of making sure we focus on the problems of a certain group. Yeah. Like to, to talk about black, especially BLAK, political idea of blackness, especially in America, is a very important conversation. But it's very easy for individuals online to spill over into reductive thinking where you're basically being like black people are like this, white people are like that. So we've got to be super yeah. careful about that. And it's the same with wealthy people or, or anyone. You just don't know what they're suffering. I mean, I, I've got the easiest life in the world. But, you know, this year my mum's my got diagnosed with terminal illness and my daughter's been diagnosed autistic and has had terrible, terrible um, st- struggles with her mental health and like terrible, like the worst feeling you can have as a parent Mm. ever and uh, I'm absolutely equipped and hugely privileged to have the resources uh, both emotionally and financially to deal with this stuff but you wouldn't know that by looking at my big house. Yeah, You just wouldn't know that and I don't need you to know that but just we can't judge each other like that. We just can't, not by wealth, not by skin colour, not by gender, not by sexuality, we just can't. We're, We're very, very complicated monsters you know
0: yeah and it is it's such a slippery slope it's like if in doubt just don't be a fucking asshole that should be just assume
1: a human is a human yeah assume they're like you just assume they're like you or your cousin if you can't do you yeah you know or your brother or your uncle yeah just just assume this person is
0: you don't know what goes on in someone else's car like i used to get really frustrated when you're driving on the motorway and someone comes flying past and you're like you fuck but you don't know it could be someone no, in their car know. doing CPR on someone else yeah. or a woman having a baby. Just move out of the way. It's not your car. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're a police officer, this is not your
1: issue. Exactly. Okay. It's a real, I think about that one often, like, Every time you beep at someone, you might be beeping at someone having a panic attack Yeah. or beeping at someone who's just found out their husband's died and isn't concentrating or, you know, and and actually the odds on those possibilities are not low. No. In fact, it's probably if someone's made a mistake driving, there's an over 50% chance that they are not concentrating for some reason and for the rest of them, they just haven't learned to drive very well. (laughs) Yeah. Stop beeping at them. Yeah, either way, just get out of the way. And it's a really good analogy for yeah. everything. You know, you have someone have a shit opinion on the internet, they haven't learned what they needed to learn to have a better opinion. Like do yeah. everything you can to try and take into account they didn't read the books you read or have the upbringing you had and well, it's hard, you know, it's yeah. hard when someone's wrong on the internet. <laughs> I've been... I've been doing a lot of correcting people <laughs> oh, on the internet recently. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. It's it is hard. I actually um took a leaf out of Nazim's book the other day because Beck's always on me. She's like, Don't be mean to people, don't don't go off after people. And and I'm like, so when the mass singer started, uh some people were just, you know, as they are on Twitter, just complete irrational assholes. And I just went, Oh, why do you think that? Or how would you fix it? hundred percent hundred percent every tweet they turned around full three six
1: yeah they go oh I was just being a dick. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I'm like that's so amazing. It's like you're literally screaming into the abyss, but people are listening.
1: I know it's so weird, and yeah. I do get a kick out of turning people around. Yeah. Like I had a great one when I did I released a song with Briggs, it was Briggs's song that was yeah. that was mean about SCOMO and boos, here comes the the Aussie right, who who love who hate who hate me after the Pell thing and yeah. And it's the abuse is full on, and they get me right where it hurts because they call me talented talentless and ugly and yeah. unfunny and like I don't know all those little voices in your head. But I I've worked really hard on it. And I'm almost always really calm, even if I'm shaking yeah. with upset or rage. I'm really calm, and I you know I would just and I think it's worth. I'm off Twitter now, so whatever goes on there. But I think it's worth sometimes just putting some reasonable responses under an article or something that's getting all this hate just so they're there on the record just yeah. calm clarifying response so it's there and then step yeah. away which the the second bit's the hard bit but um you know some guys like and I wrote um I bet you $100 to your favorite charity against $100 to my favorite charity that you didn't watch the whole clip and he went you know, you're right. I didn't, and I've just watched it, and it wasn't quite what I thought it was. What's your favourite charity? And I, I, <laughs> keep, I keep these moments, you yeah. know. It's, it's, and but fuck, if if what would what would Nazim do is a pretty good heuristic for living. I reckon he's yeah. he's, he's he's fucking great. You he's know what happened
0: today? I got a call today. From uh, my account, she goes, Nazim transferred money into your account. Why is that? I go, I don't know. Maybe he thinks because I'm struggling.
1: The blackmail you've done to him? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've released his sister. I don't know. <laughs> and then he goes, <laughs> 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 So she goes, No. And she phoned, and what had happened was. December 2019, I did warm-up shows before my Netflix special. They never paid me for the, the, and then they realised. You're saying
1: Naz doesn't pay for two no, years. No, 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 no. He I wasn't, knew he was an he
0: was. Oh, no, he's an asshole for so many other reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so he, he wasn't involved at all. But then the organisers of those gigs, because it was just like there was one in a basement and one at a pub. Then they realized, oh shit, this money's still sitting here. They didn't have any of my details. But they know that Nazim and I are friends, so they just transferred him the money. And oh, then when so he good. questioned, why do I have this money from you? They go, Oh, that's two oh. years ago, Ursh did a gig here. And he's like, Oh, oh thanks for letting me know. So he immediately that's transferred so the money. I'm weird. like, I have already forgotten about that. So
1: we should use NAS as a bank. Yeah. We should just do all our all our finances through. The bank he'd be, the he'd be
0: great at it. He sounds good.
1: That, yeah.
0: Okay, let me ask you something. What shits you to absolute death about other people? Uh,
1: um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I want to see my kids grow up. So if you could keep this brief. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: <laughs> What's the
0: one thing that you go, that's it. I'm going to lose my shit and just punch someone in the head right now.
1: Um, I suppose it's. Uh, I mean, horrendously in a very middle-aged male way. It's irrationality. It's it's people's. It's people's. You know, the thing that on a, I don't feel I'm not a very punchy person, but on a on a on a macro level, the incapacity for people to say I was wrong, I'll change my mind, is uh, humankind ending. Yeah. In, in in a post-internet age, if we can't make it culturally trendy to change your mind when new information comes to hand, yeah. we're fucked. Yeah. We, I, so, so I know that's really nerdy, but this is the stuff I think about all day, every freaking day. Uh, you, and it's very hard and you have to work on it in yourself. But, you know, when I do these incredibly calm, careful responses to some bonkers thing someone said about vaccines, and instead of addressing the fact that, I've clarified something for them very politely. They go sideways and make some other bonkers claim. It makes me go, why can't you? Why why do you want to not learn or why do you need to win so much? And the weird thing is often about stuff that should make them feel better. Like if someone's like, look at all these vaccine injuries compared to the number of COVID deaths, that means the vaccines are bad. And you clarify the data for them, that should make them go, Oh, phew! Yeah, dodged. I thought, I thought for a minute there that pharmaceutical companies were trying to kill us, but now the data's been clarified. I feel so much better. But now we hold on and hold on because we can't separate our identities from our belief systems. You know. So. Yeah.
0: There's. Uh, I, I firmly believe there's only one thing that people are willing to die for, and that is to be right.
1: Yeah, we love it, and I get yeah. it. I've made yeah. a career on it. Yeah. Like literally, my career is built on the buzz I get out of being right and yeah. and meticulously right. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I I've monetized it, but it's a horrible <laughs> human instinct.
0: I mean, so I was right about it,
1: but <laughs> yeah, that's right. I nailed it. Um, I'm right about how right I am. But yeah, no, yeah. we 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 like to be right, and an extension of that, all these studies showing the reason Twitter and stuff is such a shit show is because the 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 tweets with the most triggering outrage-triggering words get elevated. Basically, yeah. it's an, uh, Twitter is a Darwinian-style evolutionary system that is survival of the outrageous, yeah. as is the news media. Yeah. The fact that it's not like the main conversation, I mean, it is a big conversation, but it's, it's like the conversation for the future of humankind yeah. is getting rid of systems that make outrage uh, come forward. Yeah. Because we humans are wired by evolution somehow to get dopamine hits out of outrage yeah. and now we've got with these systems the media 24-hour news scrolling and and social media and the internet you know that makes us get that like addicts yeah. outrage addicts yeah and we and and the horrible thing is we can manipulate our dopamine hits of outrage into a narrative that places us not just right but morally superior like fundamental like a religiosity level of moral superiority it's oh it's really bad yeah. i feel like it's really bad it's yeah anyway.
0: Mate, If you, you
1: want to see your kids grow up
0: yeah, yeah. if you if you want to know outrage you need to join a mom's coffee group uh, <laughs> and then some tragedy happens and you don't change your facebook profile photo to whatever flag or whatever thing that is and you go i've changed my photo i see you haven't done yours and you're like no And immediately
1: you're an asshole. Yeah, that's so good. You just have to cut. You just have to have an obscure disaster up your sleeve all the time. So Ebola recovery. Exactly, or something happening in China, you know, to Muslims and like which is always happening, and or whatever. You when they go, "Where's your black square?" or "Where's your Afghan flag?" You just go, "Where's your, where's your Beijing uh, roller skate?"
0: We both went deep on the feet. I've got a ride skate, and I've got Beijing a.
1: Toe ring. Ring is my favourite pop band.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've got a t-shirt, a T-shirt of theirs. They should really Asian release toe rings. rings, but they won't. Um, what's What's the one thing about yourself that just absolutely shits you to death that you wish you could change?
1: My inability to let irrationality go. <laughs> my, my, uh, no, I. Um, weirdly, given that I've at some point got known as a comedian I think I take things too seriously I think and, and in a way that you know, makes dinner parties less fun you know or podcasts that are mm-hmm. with one of the funniest people on the planet turn into a philosophical discussion you know like it's like oh bro you how do we how do I get out of this point you know I talked about this period of my life where uh, that's what I'm trying to come out of I, I really like thinking about things and I really like being part of a public mm. conversation and I think I have a, a way of communicating that is valuable enough, you know, to to make a small contribution to public debate about things. But, mate, get your fucking hand off it. Like, just chill. Just chill a bit, mm. you know. And I'm working on it. Just enjoy. and it, You know, it's like the squares on Facebook. You You are not benefiting anyone mm. by thinking there's some moral good to constantly cogitating the world's problems. There's not all you're doing is making the dinner party less fun and your kid's life a bit stressful like and and i'm i'm getting better at it but that that's you know and, and at its worst it's mansplainy and at its worst it's condescending yeah. at its best it's illuminating and interesting but at its worst it's like why did you and and how long i answer questions like this is part of it you know because i want I want everyone to really understand everything. But
0: know. do you know what I do now? Because I, to me, because I, I can go, go, go all day. I can't. I can't sit still. Like I'm moving all day. I need to do shit all day. But at night, when I get in bed, it can take. I lie there for four hours just thinking about shit, like not being able to switch off. Just and then every time that gets me out of that, that makes me laugh really hard. Is I just think, how well dumb people sleep? I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. And then I say, and that makes me laugh every time. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I just got to cut the shit and, and think about dumb people going, going to sleep and just enjoying their snooze and not giving a oh. fuck about any of the shit that I'm worried about right now. But also I don't want to stop worrying about the shit of the world because if we don't keep you know, worrying mm. about it or thinking about it or changing things, even if it's just little puzzles. Even if somebody listens to this podcast and go, yeah. fuck, I am going to let a guy yeah. go past in a car that's on my ass because I don't know yeah, what's yeah. going on. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, you right. know?
1: I think that's right. But just like the sleep thing, mm-hmm. there's a point at which your depth of thought or the speed of which you think or the or your moral, uh, your ethical need to feel connected to other people's suffering or whatever, there's a point at which that's not doing you or anyone else any favours. And I think these days with how much information we have most of us are way too far involved in other shit in ways that are not helpful to us or others yeah. so you've got to find a way to contextualize the troubles of the world and go how do i put that into action like money i give to charity not i but money one gives to charity um a- a- activism one does blah blah and then once you've figured out the size of your container, mm. the your size of your capacity to actually do things that will help others, try to fucking forget about it because yeah. you're not doing anyone any favors. There's no fundamental moral good to worrying about something you're not positively affecting. What I do is design houses. That's how I go to sleep. No shit. Oh uh, yeah. It's great. I read. Yeah. I go I go to sleep every night fine except when i've got a taping the next day i can't fucking sleep at all and it fucking drives me insane but sometimes drugs um sometimes i take a pill for on those days but i read a book until i'm so sleepy and i turn my light off and if i don't fall asleep straight straight away i go okay what i'm going to renovate you know a place in kangaroo valley or i'm going to design a house on a on a slope in a field and i'll just go that'll be the lounge room i'll be there and i'll have a slope roof and it's just gone Wow, I, I love it. You should do that. You'll be like, I have to draw this. This is, brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I'll get too involved. We do yeah. not put the ruler? I better get the ruler. Get
1: the like, Will I need washers? Will I need washers for those two? <laughs> yeah. What will the carbon footprint be yeah, of this hot yeah. water am I, system? Am I no, going
0: no. steel framing or wood framing? <laughs> Probably steel framing, actually.
1: I need to look it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, what about I uh, I started reading the Bible. Nothing knocks me ah. out like reading the Bible. Your oh, four yeah. verses in here. Are,
1: Ow. Oh my it's God, great. So, <laughs> that's so good. I love people who say the Bible's their favorite book. <laughs> you know, like, that's like me saying the Kinks are my favorite band. What I mean is the Kinks Greatest Hits is my favorite record. Yeah. The Bible's greatest hits is your favorite bunch of things, but you don't like the Bible. The no, Bible's a mess.
0: It is. <laughs> it's written by a whole by a group uh, of people who didn't work together. At all. No, they, they did not. There was no editor. And have editor. A, a read or nothing, nothing. Just go. Sorry, everything I'm saying is contradicting what you say. Do you want to drop yours and come and jump on mine? And we can. No, no, no I'm no. keeping mine.
1: I, I don't give a bit. shit
0: what you're saying.
1: Yeah. yeah. He woke up. He woke up. He walked through town, and Thomas saw the holes in his hands. Yeah. He didn't walk through town. He yeah. ascended straight away. Thomas yeah. was
0: drunk at my house. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway. I've got that. My my uh, friend, Eric, who will listen to this podcast because he listens to most of the stuff I do, who's a who's a Christian musical director in America, he'll get cross with me because I will have got that wrong. He'll know exactly what the inconsistencies is Get
0: in are. touch, Eric. Tell yeah. us. Yeah. Tell us who rolled the yeah. stone.
1: Yeah. Was it yeah. Mary? Angels. Angels in Bright Raiment oh, rolled yeah. the stone yeah. away. Yeah.
0: yeah. Someone I rolled I just know something. all the songs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining my podcast. I appreciate you.
1: That's enough already.
0: Shut up. Oh, shush.